with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for you have died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. We see perfect substitution and perfect identification. There are three tenses here. The past, we were crucified with Christ. You have died. You were crucified with Christ. The present, your life is hid with Christ in God. And the future, when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. I was crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ liveth in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me, who gave himself for me. We recognize our union with Jesus Christ in resurrection. Hence, set your affection on things above. Let Jesus Christ be the object of your affection and devotion. This is one of the signs of a spiritual man. Christ is the very center of his affection and devotion. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our study on the ministry of the Holy Spirit, especially in his relationship to the Christian, we now turn to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Dr. Mitchell says there is a need for growth for the Christian, spiritual growth in the scriptures, concerning especially one's relationship with Christ himself. Now, one of the most important relationships of the Christian to the Savior is our being in union with Him. Among the many privileges is complete forgiveness of all sin and an eternal union with Christ. Dr. Mitchell speaks of this union with Christ. Most often in Scripture, this union with the Savior is found in the words of being in Christ. In Christ, one puts aside the old man and Christ is now the very center of one's affection and devotion. Well, on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast, let's turn in our Bible to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Thank you. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you, and we're taking up these days life in the Spirit, or the ministry of the Spirit of God in His people. We have been taking up the fact there are three kinds of people in the world. There's the unregenerate man who rejects the Word of God. There's the carnal Christian who neglects the Word of God, life manifested by self-will and so on. And then there's the spiritual man who feeds on the Word of God. And this is where, this is the plane upon which God wants you and me to walk. 
I repeat it again, one can live on a spiritual plane even though once in a while we may fail God and be disobedient. We know what to do to come back to the Lord. We confess our sins and he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the pattern of our life is to walk pleasing to him. Now, last lesson, we're discussing the fact that the one of the evidences of a spiritual man, and by the way, that's God's order for his people. This is, the, this is normal Christianity, to be spirit-filled, to be a, a spiritual man, able to discern all things. He acknowledges Christ in his rightful place as Lord and Master. And we were discussing this question of the fact that in the early, early church, Paul, Timothy, others were real, real bond slaves of Jesus Christ. They recognized that Jesus Christ was absolute in authority. Oh, to be in that place where we recognize Jesus Christ as absolute in authority in our lives. And as you know, this will be evident by absolute obedience. I, I recognize there's a growth. Don't misunderstand me. This doesn't happen overnight. There are no shortcuts to spirituality. I'm just giving to you a few things that would reveal what a consistent spiritual life is and the background of it and the foundation for it. I say there are no shortcuts. When some man says, well, brother, you come forward and dedicate your life to the Lord, turn everything over to him and be a spiritual man. There are no shortcuts. I'm not opposed to this, by the way, uh, but don't expect anything spectacular. There are no shortcuts. There must be a growth. There's such a thing as spiritual growth. A babe in Christ can be, can be filled with the Spirit, but time will show whether he is spiritual. There must be that continual, continual walk in the Spirit. Now, the second thing I want to talk about a spiritual man is not only does he acknowledge Christ as his Lord and Master, but he also acknowledges his union with Christ. Now, you wonder why I put that in there. Well, I've got a, I've got a purpose in this. In the book of Colossians, chapter 3, the first four verses, these verses are absolutely fundamental to a real, consistent spiritual life. Listen to what it says. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for you have died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. Colossians chapter 3, the first four verses. And I, I maintain that the truth in these four verses is fundamental to real spirituality. Here we see, if I were to be a little doctrinal about this, we see perfect substitution and perfect identification. That is, when Christ died, that was the end of me. When he was raised, I was raised with him, a new creature in Christ. I was joined with him, and this is what I'm after, our union with him, made one with Christ. Nothing, my friend, will ever grip you more than this fact. 
one able to be saved, to have forgiveness, to have eternal life, to be a child of God, to be one with him. If you then be risen with Christ, that means that death is behind. You've got a new life over which death doesn't even cast a shadow. It means that the old nature has been put down where it belongs, that you're a new man in Christ. And as Paul could say in Ephesians 4, we ought to put on the new man which is created in righteousness and true holiness. Don't be afraid of those words. See, There are three tenses here. The past, we were crucified with Christ. Verse 3, you have, you have died. You were crucified with Christ. The present, your life is hid with Christ in God. I'm talking about three facts here. And the future, when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. All that we were in the old man, all that we were in Adam, was nailed to the cross, was crucified with him. You remember we, we, we've had that in past lessons. Allow me to suggest again the book of Romans chapter 6, our old man, verse 6, our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be rendered inactive. In 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, the love of Christ overmasters me. Why? Because I thus judge, or let me put it in the plural, we thus judge that if one died for all, then all died, and they which live should no longer live unto themselves but to live unto him who died for them and rose again. This is in Paul's mind in Galatians 2, 19 and 21. He said, I through the law am dead to the law. In order that I might live unto God, I was crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ liveth in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me, who gave himself for me. Now, the old man is recognized. Self-conceit, self-righteous, self-will, self-love, self-indulgence. This all belongs to the old man. The question is, who's on the throne? That's why, that's why we come to this next statement. Seek the things that are above. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hid with God in Christ. In other words, what's he saying? We recognize our union with Jesus Christ in resurrection. Hence, set your affection on things above. Let Jesus Christ be the object of your affection and devotion. This is one of the signs of a spiritual man. Christ is the very center of his affection and devotion. Not self. Now, does this mean that if I make Christ the center of my affection and devotion, I'll be less loving to my wife or to my family or to my friends or to my church or to my pastor? Indeed, you'll love them more. You'll love them more. See? You see, when Christ is a center of affection, Christ is all and in all. Used to be a song. What the first verse it was all of self and none of me. 
the next verse said, some of self and some of thee. The last verse says, none of self and all of thee. That's it. The carnal believer, a lot of self and a little of Jesus. The spiritual man, Christ is the center of the affection, center of the devotion. We acknowledge this. We acknowledge this. Who is on the throne? The old nature or the Lord? You know, I'm awfully tempted to go back when I think of some of these people who have been taken out of idolatry and paganism and heathendom in Southeast Asia, when I think of the transformations of a man who was a pagan idolater, he had seven wives, and then he heard about Jesus. And he not only was a Christian, saved, but he began to grow in the Word of God. No one to teach him. He was by himself on an island in the Pescadores. But he, ba he began to get into the Word of God. You know what he did? He gave gifts to six of his wives and sent them away and, and held on to the first one who was sick, a sickly woman. He began to give his testimony, became pastor of seven churches, little, little cycle of church in the different islands. When I met him, he had only one desire, to glorify the Savior. Glorify the Savior. Transformation from a pagan, heathen idolater into a usable vessel for Jesus Christ. Why? Because he recognized he was a new man in Christ. He had a new man, new life. He had set his affections on things above. To seek the things that are above. Heart occupied with Christ. My friends, I want to tell you today the amazing thing how God can take an old witch doctor, for example, and so transform him. And it's just a difference between night and day, heaven and hell. And he came to the place where Christ was preeminent. Hence, he was found usable in the hands of the Spirit of God and the transformation by the gospel of hundreds of other Indians. What are you doing? Where are you living? Are you usable? Right where you live, can God use you in your family, with your friends, in your church? Now, don't pick fault. Don't judge somebody else. I'm talking to you. What place? Does Jesus Christ, God's wonderful, wonderful Son, have in your affections and devotions? You say, well, he's my Savior, yes. You put your faith in him. But what place does he have in your life? This is what I'm after. What place does he have in your life? And how glad I am to say, Paul says, if you're risen with Christ, you've got a new life, recognize that the old man was crucified with Christ. You know, I find some people are trying to crucify themselves. No, I'm a new man in Christ. Crucifixion's past. Death is past. The grave is past. Spiritually, we are joined to the risen, glorious Son of God, united with the eternal God himself. The object of his care, the object of his devotion, the object of his love. My friend, why don't we respond to that love and to that devotion? 
And the more I see how much he loves me, then the more I ought to love him. The more devoted he is to you and to me, the more devoted we ought to be to him. You and I ought to be to him in every capacity, in every way. Oh, how we have robbed ourselves of joy, of blessing, of usefulness. Why? Because we want to acknowledge his place. Now, supposing I give you another verse, and here's a question of yieldedness. It's a verse that's very well known to most Christians, and I'm quoting from Romans chapter 12, the first two verses, where Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to give your body as a present to him, wholly acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed, be not conformed to this world. Don't be fashioned according to this world, but be transfigured by the renewing of your mind. You might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. No longer self will, but his will. To give your body as a present, let him take over. Again, I come back to it if I acknowledge Christ as absolute in authority, having authority over all flesh, all the more reason for me to prove that in my life by letting him have his way in my life, in your life, where your very body is under the control of the Spirit of God. You know, I like those words of old Fenelon, one of the old church fathers, you remember, who said, O Lord, take my life. Take my heart, for I cannot give it. And when you have it, keep it, for I cannot keep it for thee. And save me in spite of myself. You see, what a strange thing to say to God. No, my friend, here is a man who had come to the place. The only one worth having is Christ. The only life worth living is that life in Christ. There was nothing of the old that was worth anything. You see, the spiritual man is so yielded to God. He great desire, the great passion is Christ. And to have his life absolutely dominated and controlled by the Spirit of God. I think that's why Paul says in Ephesians 5.18 when he said, To wise Christians, be not drunk with wine where in its excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Or Colossians 3.16, when Paul wrote, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, and so on. This is why you have uh, Paul manifesting that passion for Christ to glorify Christ in his life. Jesus Christ so intensely precious that he could say in Philippians 1, 20 and 21, that Christ be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or whether it be by death. That's why he could say in Philippians chapter 3, I count everything but loss, everything, the good things of life, I count it loss if it stands in the way of me knowing Christ in his righteousness, in his power, in his sufferings, in his beauty, in all that he is. Oh, God, give to you and to me a real vision of the Savior that we may appropriate Christ in our life, that Christ may be all in all to us, a life wholly lived for God. Now you're going to say, but Mr. Mitchell, that sounds very, very nice. 
It sounds very, very easy. But where I live, under my circumstances, you're asking the impossible. That's right. That's right. That's right. Absolutely impossible for you and absolutely impossible for me. Why do you think the Spirit of God comes to live in his people? To do the thing that's impossible for you to do. If you try to do it in your own strength, my friend, you'll be an utter failure. In fact, you'll manifest carnality. It's the yielded life that he wants. The man of the world says, boost your own horn, toot your own horn, go your own way, do your thing. This is what the world says. And I'm afraid the Christian church has picked up some of the slogans, do your own thing, go your own way. If you don't toot your own horn, nobody else will do it for you. You've got to make your way in the world. Even though you have to tramp on somebody else, you've got to make your way in the world. That's the world. Self, self, self. That's the man of the world. But we're children of God. And the spiritual man is the yielded man who says, I can't do anything of my own. I'm weak. I'm stumbling. The flesh can't do anything to please God. So, Father, I'm putting myself in your hands. I want the Spirit of God to take over. Now, I don't know what your circumstances are. I don't know how much you know about the Word of God. I don't know how much you know about the Savior. But I'll tell you one thing, my friend. There is no life on earth, and may I add, no life in eternal glory that's comparable to this life in the Spirit, where God himself takes over in your life and my life, and Christ is first, Christ is foremost. A yielded life to the Son of God, so that what he wants accomplished is done by the Spirit of God through you. And the amazing thing is, he's going to reward you for letting him work through you. That's the astounding thing, isn't it? Again, you come back to it. All he asks of you and me is our love and devotion, which will be displayed in obedience and submission to him. And I'll tell you, my friend, God is not a hard taskmaster. Satan is. The devil is a real hard taskmaster. Believe me, my friend, and don't you, get, don't you forget it. He's a hard taskmaster, but not the Lord of glory. He loves you with an everlasting love. He cares for you every minute of the day. And all he asks of you and me is that we yield our lives to him so that he will live in and through us to his own blessed power and glory. He wants you, he wants me to be in that place where he can do what he wants to do. Not for me to do my thing, but for God to do his thing, if I can use that term, and you and I become the channels, the tools usable in the hands of God of doing this very thing. Now, may he be your Lord and master in your life. Try it for today. Start today with him and yield to him today for his own namesake. Out from heaven's palaces Splendor fear 
The Unchanging Word is dependent on the support of our listeners. You can write us at The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. That's The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word radio broadcast.